This is the Constructionist Podcast, where we take ancient stories, the person of Jesus, current events and topics, and help you construct a new Christian worldview that's relevant and loving to those around you. I'm your host, Kevin Bates. I'm a semiotician and community builder looking at the signs of the times to build a better future together. You are tuned into the Constructionist Podcast, and tonight we are continuing part 10, uh, part 10 series on the body, constructing a new you. And tonight's topic is rest. So we are coming to the finish line of our 10-week uh, podcast uh, series on the body. And as the constructionist, we desire for you to be able to navigate your life with a framework of a worldview that is relevant and compassionate and loving to people. And so part of this is getting our own house in order. It's very difficult to love others if we don't love ourselves. So we've been talking for 10 weeks basically about uh, self-care. How do we love others as we love ourselves? So I want to encourage you to listen to a TED.com video, TED video on TED.com, the benefits of not being a jerk to yourself, the benefits of not being a jerk to yourself by Dan Harris. And I want to encourage you to listen to that sometime this week or right after this podcast. So in previous podcasts, we made mention that when we deconstruct old ideas or we rebel or do away with old ideas or reject old ideas, sometimes we don't move into a new way of thinking. Sometimes we don't have an under new understanding or a vision to carry us forward. So it's very easy to reject old ideas and to become the very thing that we rejected. So there's an old adage, I want to be so different that I end up exactly the same. So we need a new framework. We need a new vision forward, new ideas to break old habits, new habits to be free from toxic behaviors. So we need something to construct. We need something to grab onto. And we hope that the last 10 weeks were, was something like that, that these topics kind of built together one on top of the other, although each topic was standalone. We had a great series on nutrition, mini series. We had a great mini series on uh, a mental health, which was uh, ended last week. And tonight we are talking about a very important topic, the idea of Sabbath, the idea of rest. So this is our thinking space. We don't claim to be professionals in some of these areas that we talk, talk about. These are just ideas, uh, thoughts that we noodle around with. And tonight we're making our best attempt to explain practical thoughts, theologies to live by, philosophy to grab onto and to build onto in this 10-week series. So if you need to get caught up, if you need to listen to all nine previous episodes, uh, we talked about goal setting, we talked about habits and toxic behaviors, we talked about self-concept and beauty, fitness and nutrition was a two-part mini-series, spiritual practice and meditation, healthy relationships, Mental health was a mini two-part series, and then tonight, rest. So you can support us, number one, but we want you to support us by following our feeds, our podcasts, our, our vlogs that we 
post. So the content that we have, we want you to interact with. So if you're live tonight, we can interact with you live. Just make comments in the social media channel you listen to. Or during the week, if you want to interact with us as well, we make our best attempt to answer any questions privately. If you want to put it, put it in, our, in, your, in our DMs, you can. And, and talk to us privately or publicly. You can just throw it up on whatever social media comment feed that you want to throw it up on and we will answer that. So we want to continue to produce material that you like and you desire. And we're going to move into a new series coming next week called The Life of Christ. It's a little different. And I hope that you can uh, be patient with us in this new series and also explore some new ideas as we look into a new life of Christ. I'll just leave it at that. So if you want to financially support us, you can go to resonatelife.org and go to the Give tab. That'll take you to the Give page and you can financially support us there as well. Well, good evening, Jake and Sherea. How are you tonight? Hey, doing okay. Good, good. Jake, are you live there? You are muted, oh. Jake. Do you want to take your mute Oops, off? Sorry. sorry yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, I'm here. I am unmuted. <laughs> well, we're talking about rest, and we've done nine parts of this series on the body constructing a new you. And so I think that we are going to take a rest. After this week, we're going to take a rest from this series and move on to another one. Rest is an important concept. And I think that it's crucial to not only our mind, but also our, our body and our spirits. And there's something that's really important that I want to communicate first is a lot of times we work until we crash. We, we run through life. We stress ourselves through life until we break down. We go through burnout. We go through just a crash. So we basically rest from working. So the weekend's here, we finally are on a Saturday and we get to rest. So that is normally our attitude. That's very common to have that attitude. It's very common to have that practice. So TGIF, thank God it's Friday. And then finally we get rid of Friday and we get to take a couple of days off. But we want to promote something a little new, something just a tweak in that statement that we don't rest from our work but we work from our rest. We work from our rest. So rest is that important to make that priority shift. That we need to put rest in a priority where we actually are building our bodies, building our minds, building our spirits so that we can take the next leap forward in our week, in our work. And so if you feel, think, or perceive that you need rest, you probably do. And you might say, well, I don't get any physical activity. I'm, I'm basically sedentary. I sit in front of a computer and I code all day long or whatever your work is. It's, it's pretty common, though, that we just go through our week and we're constantly fatigued. It's like we're, we're running a marathon and we're just not getting rest through the week. So we get this weekend. We sleep in. We rest all day. We might watch some movies, play some video games. We get to the evening time, maybe a family dinner. We're playing with our kids. We put them to, to bed. We have a couple of drinks. We crash. And so that's our marathon weekend that we do. 
And then on Monday, we're still fatigued. We're still tired. We still are without rest. And that's the vast majority of people. The vast majority of people just are not getting enough rest and are in a constant fatigue, that we're in a constant stress fatigue. So I believe that rest needs to be sacred. Rest needs to be something that is a practice, that's a spiritual practice, that's a sacred practice that we can implement in our life. Now, people have confused something as well, that rest is different than sleep. And so if you're not getting sleep, that's one thing. But most everyone that I know is not getting enough rest. So even if you're getting enough sleep, you still might not be getting enough rest. And so if you do a marathon 12 hour night and you wake up and you still are just not all with it, that's there's something else going on. Maybe it's eating habits, physical habits, move habits, whatever it is in your body, spiritual habits that are definitely having a toll on your life, maybe too much stress in your life. And that is where the chronic fatigue is coming from. So we want you to be fully energized. We want you to be fully alive, basically. And I hope that this topic of rest, but really this whole 10 part series, that you would find a certain level of life in it. So I want to first talk about seven key areas of rest. It's not just sleep. Remember that rest is different than sleep. And so, so when you rest, you're resting from or resting for, rather that's our language change, we're resting for something. And so we need physical rest, number one. So there's seven rests. There's seven ideas of rests that rest that we need to implement. So first is physical rest. And when I do a, some kind of activity, I need some kind of passivity. So when I am active, like I'm running, running during the, you know, for a workout or something, I need physical rest from working out. So I lift weights. I need rest from lifting weights. I run. I need rest. I am working and remodeling my house or remodeling my shop or remodeling something in my life. I need rest from that physical labor. So we need a passive component um, in order to balance the active component in our life. Otherwise, aches and pains. I'm 50, aches and pains. <laughs> um, my back hurts. I'm tired uh, from the physical deficits in my life. But we also need number two, mental rest. So if you find you have a lot of mental activity in your life, whether that be a constant infiltration of information that you have to consume or you have to generate. Some people are like, like writers and they need rest from writing. Some people are coders or they're, they're computer programmers. They need rest from that programming activity. So I don't know if you've ever heard, but there are some people that suffer from mental fatigue and people definitely spend too much time recalling or activating mental information. And we can go through the racing of the mind to not only affect our mental fatigue, but also can affect our sleep. And so if you're finding yourself mentally fatigued, we need to schedule breaks. We're going to talk about that more. Then spiritual rest. This is actually something that we need 
to do. Spiritual rest is not something that we need to take a break from our spiritual lives. We actually need to engage our spiritual lives. And that has to do with something very important. And no matter where you are at spiritually, when I say we need to engage our spiritual life, we need to have the security of knowing that we belong. So the idea of belonging and having the security of knowing that we belong is really important. So community is the central piece of spirituality where we're connecting with other spirits, other people in our life, that our life has to have purpose. Our life has to have vision. Our life has to have spiritual community, that component in it. So we need that we need that spiritual rest where we find belonging, but we also need emotional rest. And this has to do with if you are suffering from an emotional deficit or somebody or something is taxing you emotionally, maybe it's a chronic illness in someone that you are having to care for. That is an emotional taxing activity that you're a caregiver. Somebody in your life is really suffering. You're having to walk them through that suffering. That's an emotionally taxing event. So we need emotional rest. People suffer from emotional uh, deficits all the time, which can turn into some chronic issues, which can turn into some clinical issues like depression. So we, in, in, in our day, maybe that's not you. Maybe you're not helping somebody constantly with a chronic illness. I would have to say that our constant people-pleasing whether people like us or not and worrying about that or having the anxiety of did I do a good job? Those are emotionally taxing activities and we need to take breaks and rest from that. But then the big one that some new reports came out this last two weeks ago from the uh, Center for Disease Control that talked about mostly teens and phones. So teenagers with phones, it definitely is a leading cause of clinical depression. But I would say that the sensory that we have, so I've noticed a change in my life where the sensories that I take in have exponentially increased. So whether it be looking at my social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or whatever I'm looking at, I, I have this constant information through the eyes or watching too much TV, which I don't really do, but I definitely watch screen time. So I have a lot of screen time, like video or a, a computer screen time or phone videos I'm watching or whatever, but maybe yours is constant chronic TV. Maybe the TV is on all the time in the background, like a noisemaker or something in your life. Definitely that quiet hum continually is a sensory issue. So we can have sensory fatigue. And so just, you know, meet somebody that works in a loud manufacturing environment and they're not wearing proper ear protection you can definitely endure sensory fatigue just with noise. Now, green noise, white noise, those kinds of things definitely help with sensory because it definitely just uh, inebriates our sensory uh, receptors, yet we definitely can go through sensory fatigue and we need rest from that. Social rest, too much activity, too many drained, uh, uh, re draining relationships, maybe toxic relationships in your life. Not to say that you need to take a social rest. You, 
maybe we just need to make a change and have social fulfillment where our relationships are more meaningful, our relationships are more engaging and progressive in our life. But then creative rest. Sometimes we are creating for everyone else, but yet we're not creating for ourselves. And so creative rest, doing something creative, experiencing something creative for yourself reawakes awe and wonder. So maybe that's taking a hike is creative, looking at creative things around us. So getting into that sensory mode, maybe it's something that you do in your workspaces at home or your art spaces at home. Maybe it's you. some, some people that I know are contractors and they build everyone else's home except theirs. And so they're building everyone else's stuff, but they're never building their own home. And so their home remains unfinished. I would encourage if that's you, or if you find yourself building everyone else's life except your own, maybe it's time for some creative rest. So Montessori groups call this the, um, uh, I, I lost the word, uh, the prepared adult. Thank you. It's prepared. So the fully, it's actually fully, that's, there's the word, fully prepared adult. And so Montessori programs actually are preparing fully prepared adults from children all the way to adulthood. But really, I would say that becoming a fully prepared adult is a lifelong process. That's not a, okay, I did that for 18 years and now I'm a fully prepared adult. I've never even met anybody that's a fully prepared adult. But what I'm going to say here is the inner self, the inner sanctuary, the mind, body, and the spirit, our emotions, our physical life, our social life, what's happening on the inside emotionally. That's our temple. That's our sanctuary that needs self-care. And we need to find a balance and a activity or a set of activities or rather rhythms in our life that would promote rest. All right, there's some theology for rest that I think is really important. And so, Shreya, please yep. okay. take some theology. Give us some spiritual theological foundation to the idea of rest, but a little bit different. I know you're going to give us something different. Yeah. Yeah. So most of us are probably familiar with a more traditional view of a theology of rest. This typically centers around the first creation narrative, which describes God creating everything in the first six days and then resting on the Sabbath or on the seventh. Um, traditional view also emphasizes the Sabbath as a day of rest based on God's decision to rest. And we typically talk about rest in relation to work, um, like you just did in the intro, encouraging people to work from their rest rather than to rest from their work. Um, and I think all of this can be found in the text, and I do think it's an important part of self-care, but since it's probably more familiar to most of us, I want to spend a little bit more time with the uh, social, economic, and political implications of the Sabbath. So we've talked briefly about the year of Jubilee as a part of Sabbath practice, um, and this is a practice where every 50 years, debts are forgiven and land returned to its original owners. So Jubilee disrupts the poverty cycle, especially across generations. And it's easier with this practice to see the social, political, and economic aspects of the Jubilee year. I think the Sabbath day of rest is equally subversive in these spheres, um, but it's not what we tend to focus on in most church communities. 
Kevin, you're muted. What are you saying? Sorry. I had some background noise that I wanted to mute. So I, I just want to interrupt you. So Jesus comes along and says, uh, the disciples say, teach us to pray. And he says, forgive us our debts as we yep. forgive those who have debts against us. So it's obvious that Jesus is right at the heart of this year message of the year of Jubilee, that the, that the leaders were afraid that Jesus was ushering in the year of Jubilee. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Continue. I just want to make that small point. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, the first aspect of Sabbath is resting from production. So here in the U.S., it wasn't until 1937 when the Fair Labor Standards Act passed, giving us the 40-hour work week and along with that a federal minimum wage. The Fair Labor Standards Act passed in large part because of decades of activism by the labor movement and unions. So we have those people to thank for our weekends. Until this point in U.S. history, many workers were not given a day of rest, and it's worth noting today that many still aren't despite this legislation. Yeah. So from the pulpit, we can encourage people to take a Sabbath rest, but we also have to recognize the political and economic barriers that may prevent them from doing so. Mm. If your workers work more, it's generally better for business, depending on what you're paying them. So allowing people to rest is often not considered what's best for business. Choosing to take a day of rest from production has economic and political implications. It's taking time to disengage and be human rather than part of an economic machine. And we've seen this with strikes. For example, the recent rail workers strike. Um, when lots of people disengage from work together, they carry a lot of political and economic power. Resting from production, even for a day, is a way of owning one's own power and reconnecting with self. So to go back to the biblical text, the Sabbath practice is introduced with the reminder, you were once slaves in Egypt. Slaves don't get days off. They aren't given economic and political power. But when God formed the ancient nation of Israel, God did not want their society to be pyramid shaped like Egypt's with a few in power on top and the masses in poverty on the bottom. So a weekly Sabbath rest is meant to subvert this pyramid-shaped society. Another aspect of Sabbath is resting from consumption. So this is the other side of the coin from production. And an easy example is to think about going to the grocery store on Christmas Day. Maybe you have time off for Christmas Day, and maybe it gets to be sort of like a Sabbath for you. You're not working at a job that day. But let's say you're cooking Christmas dinner, and you realize you're missing a crucial ingredient. So you head to the grocery store to pick it up and maybe you try to be pleasant in the checkout line and remark to the cashier that it's too bad they have to work on Christmas. Come on. I did that on December 25th this last year. <laughs> Don't rip on me now. <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. But it's anyway. your choice, Kevin, and okay. everyone else who exactly. forgot something that they needed mm -hmm. that created the need for that cashier to be there on Christmas Day. And that's why Safeway is open. Yep. Mm -hmm. So resting from consumption involves going without or planning ahead. And it means that others have an opportunity to rest too. We rest so that others can rest. I think implicit in the reminder, you were once slaves in Egypt, is the imperative to not allow others to be slaves either. Sabbath means rest for yourself and rest for the community. And so the third aspect of Sabbath is that community. 
um, early on mentioned some of the um, barriers that others may have to rest. If someone needs to work several jobs to pay their bills, it's riskier for them to have regular days of rest. This, I think, is where the church has the most opportunity to grow. What if that person was able to take regular time off because they knew that their community would help provide for their needs? Mm. I think about the Israelite tribe, the Levites. They weren't given land uh, because their role was facilitating worship. And so their livelihood came from the offerings brought by the community. So how might we be able to support those in our community who are not able to rest from production or consumption? Maybe we bring them a meal or invite them to dinner. Maybe we watch their kids. Maybe we fix their car. Maybe we give them money. This kind of community support means being more involved in other people's lives than many of us currently are. A crucial part of community care is trust. If we're able to trust that our community will take care of our needs, then we're able to rest. So I want to close my section with some words from the Knapp Bishop, Tricia Hersey. She wrote a book called Rest is Resistance uh, that I haven't picked up yet, but I would really like to, and I would still really recommend it. And she's a great follow on Instagram at the Knapp Ministry. She says, from the time you were born, every system in this culture has been telling you that you were not worthy as a human being unless you labor and produce and do. You had no choice in this matter. This deserves your grief and your rest. So may we be a community that deems everyone worthy by virtue of their humanity and that demonstrates that worthiness by providing for each other's needs. Nice, thank you. That is excellent. So being a business owner myself, I and I, I have not met one business owner that really says, I mean, they might joke around about making money and the most satisfying thing about their job is making money. Um, I've heard that pretty much sarcastically, snidely said exclusively. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard this one dream. that, yeah, yeah, live in the dream. I, I, uh, I have heard that one of the most satisfying things in, uh, in, owning your own business is creating your product. So it, like if you're mm -hmm. creative in your product, I have heard that like a couple of, um, couple of micro breweries that I, I know they're beer makers and they just love making beer. That's what they do. Yeah. They just love the craft of making beer. Wineries are kind of the same way. They just love the craft of making wine. They're those, they're just really into it. Most every business owner, though, that I know somewhere on their favorite list of why they own the business is they love to create jobs. Mm. They love to employ people, even though even though sometimes our employees are the biggest pain, you know, in the business, like navigating through schedules and trying to figure out a balance of you know, like shifts and all this stuff going on and somebody calls in sick and this happens and this happens, it becomes chaotic and, and kind mm -hmm. of crisis sometimes. Yet that is probably one of the most satisfying things is creating jobs, but also within creating jobs, I've always really loved to see people take their next steps or to really grow out of our jobs. I don't want mm -hmm. people to just stay at the jobs we create. I want them to excel even out of that job. 
So part of that is giving time and space for education, for exploration mm -hmm. and journeying through like life goals too. And you need time away from your job to do that. So that's just something to support like that idea of breaking empire or yeah. breaking, breaking the economic sinful system where it's not all about just making money and taking from people and expensing employees, uh, right. creating jobs is really important. And then also the undercurrent of that is helping them develop their careers and their life goals. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, Jake, why don't you take the oh, next section and you're going to, or, can, uh, or your, your comments. Uh, something that I was pondering the idea of Sabbath and Trey, you touched on this a little bit, but just kind of the most important part of Sabbath to me is that when I rest, and you talked about consumption, but really productivity, when I, when I take a break, I'm allowing those who are less fortunate than me to also take a break. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. throughout scripture, it's the, who is the ones that rest during Sabbath when you read when you read those passages, the livestock, it's the land, it's the um, the sojourners, the outsiders, the the poor. Um, those are the people that benefit the most from Sabbath. The Sabbath isn't really meant for people that have money. It's meant for those that don't. And so the more that you the more that you're giving over to to pause, the more you're allowing um that person that may always have to work for you a break. Right. Mm. So that's when I think about when I, when I think about South in particular. Yeah, totally. Okay. On to mental emotional meth rest? Yes, please. Okay. Um I'll be a fully prepared adult here the best I can be. <laughs> the uh <laughs> The idea of that we have split up is emotional and mental, but also then physical. And Kevin's taking the, the physical later on and talking about specifically sleep. But I want to take mental, emotional, because I look at our society and the amount of what's called burnout that is around, the more that we have to really consider what what's making us burn out, what's, what's causing us to, to spin out, to get too overwhelmed, the anxiety, the the overstretched self feeling thin feeling alone feeling uh taken from they're all symptoms of really this emotional and mental uh burnout not not being restful in it i think of the idea of of integrity um not a moral ethical integrity but think about just what where integrity comes from the word integrity it's it derives from the word of integer, which is a singular whole. So you think about counting by whole numbers. You're counting by one, two, three, four, five. Um, those are whole numbers, whole people. And so when you're integritous, when you have integrity, you're a whole person. And in our current state of being, um, we have emotional and mental burnout, especially because we've split ourselves in a thousand different directions all at the same time. And so we have mass distractions and especially with the 
increase of technology and the connectivity that we have around us at all times. And all of us right now are on devices, multiple probably, as we're all looking at our phones as well, trying to figure out what we're going to say next. And the, the idea is that a book, nice. The idea is that we have distractions around us all the time. So all the time our minds are moving. All the time our minds are not fully present where, where we are at in our bodies at the moment. And so part of, of emotional and mental rest is realizing that, as Brene Brown says, we wear our busyness as a status symbol. So our busyness are our lives that, that are just chaotic. And how are you doing? I'm pretty busy or been busy. Like when, when you think about how many times you've said that in your day, even today, I've many times say that the, we wear that as we are actually producing, we're growing, we're moving, we're progressing. Um, it's a good thing for our culture that we are engaged engaged in that hustle culture so much because hustlers are the ones that make the world go around, but really they just burn themselves out. So I think of a, two things really that can affect and grow in our emotional and mental rest. And the first thing is a centered centering or groundedness. And so, to move away from distraction, but to center ourselves in the moment. Um, there's a concept of give a actual 10 minutes of non-distraction, like work or time or reading or planning and really see what happens in your life. But some, some ideas and ways that we can become more centered and grounded is like gardening or going on a hike getting in touch with nature again. Kevin talked to this a little bit ago that when we live very techno, techo, techno lives, concrete lives, and so hardly ever do our feet touch dirt. And so reconnecting to that dirt, go out and touch it with your hands and garden, um, walking around, just being in the sunlight, being outside in the air, Movement, especially exercise, can become make you more centered and grounded. Do cathartic things, things that you don't have to think about much, but you enjoy doing, like mowing the lawn, doing dishes. What are more cathartic things? Um, washing your car. What are other cathartic things? Anybody? Earlier, I was thinking of yoga. Yoga, yeah, it can be a cathartic thing. Cathartic, yeah. I have to think too hard with yoga. I I would say um, cleaning my shop, cleaning our shop, like straightening things out in the shop. Organizing. Right. Yeah, it's cathartic. But then it's also like have a hobby and do your hobby. And this can give you emotional and mental rest however it is often our practice to turn our hobby into work if not business and so make sure that your hobby does not turn into your work or business Mm. another idea of centering and grounding is just to breathe 
to focus on your breath and to take deep breaths and to really think of the lungs that are expanding inside of you as you move throughout throughout your day. And also notice what's happening in and around you. We we are so distracted and so outside that that we lose sight of what's happening right in front of us, next to us. Um, We may know, we may see it, but really notice it and seek to understand what's happening. It's a different level of awareness that we are not having. So with centered and groundedness, then there's a concept of mindfulness, especially mindfulness meditation. There's apps for it like Headspace or Calm or Asana or Asana. That's right. That's not true. Um, What's the one? Let me look it up. The one that uh, Stacy recommended. Yeah. I was trying to say that one, but Asana is a productivity app put out by Meta. Insight Timer. Insight Insight Timer. timer, Yes. So there's a, there's a bunch of different apps that can walk you through mindfulness and really mindfulness all is doing settling you down, putting your feet on the floor, breathing, noticing what's happening inside of you. And the TED Talk that we've been uh, pushing since uh, 10 weeks ago now, or more, um, that is the idea of, of loving kindness and the meditation of loving kindness. And that's a mindfulness practice that, that you're enough and that you're going to get through this. And it's okay, I have you. And that's that's his entire his entire talk is on is on meditation, especially mindfulness, breathing and tapping. And so, in mindfulness, we notice the emotions or thoughts that's in them, inside of us. We note them. We say that either there that's a thought, that's a feeling, and we just let that thought or feeling go. It's not to dwell on, it's not to critique or to judge, especially us. But when we get into that practice, our anxiety will lessen because emotions will go away and thoughts will as well. Some more ideas of of mental and emotional rest is learning things that empower you. Learning new concepts. And when we when we stop when we stop learning. That's when we get into mo- mental and emotional rest as well. That the we have a mo- mental burnout because we're doing rote things that cause us a lot of stress, but doesn't give us or empower us. But also give yourself permission to rest. Oftentimes we we want to rest, but we feel guilty and shame that we are trying to take that rest. It's selfish or lazy or all the other words that we have placed on people who just want to take a break. Also give others permission to rest Mm. that you're allowing of yourself, but you're also allowing to others. And really the more that you're allowing to yourself, the more you'll be allowing to others. And that really is it's yourself that you're going to have the hardest time giving permission to rest. At least in my case, I feel that's that's true. Planned, purposeful checking out. I think the idea of video games came up earlier. It can be beneficial to play video games. It really can be. All day, probably not the most beneficial. Candy Crush all day? You're crushing Candy Crush. (laughs) Not all day. 
<laughs> but really, like that, that mm, not mindless, but fun, engaging, and checked out mode that you're not having to, to engage in your thoughts and your emotions so much that it's kind of outside of you. It can be healthy. But also, if, if your mental and emotional burnout persists and becomes chronic, and we talked about this a lot last week, but seek help from licensed professionals that, that are able to help you and able to help you grow out of your, out of your fatigue. Any thoughts? Well, I think that mindfulness practice, um, there's, I'll think of the word here in a moment. You have the information brain where we're constantly taking in information and then we have our subconscious brain and I can't remember the two brain activity modes that psychology calls that, but I'll think of it here in a minute where meditation or mindfulness in a sense taps into the subconscious or also also the non-information brain so we're trying to actually empty our brain from constant chatter activity if we empty if we spend too much time in mindfulness and that's all we do then our learning capacities and such actually decrease. Uh, so we have to keep both activities going in our, in our lives. Yet we're spending way too much time in this active uh, portion of our, of our brain, mm. which is causing dysfunction, I would say. Yeah, I wonder since the industrial revolution mm -hmm. work changed mm -hmm. information changed how we gathered information and so if you think about it it was be highly unlikely for you to work outside or work in the fields or do your job after it got dark farmers mm -hmm. weren't carrying lanterns around plowing fields i'm gonna assume for the most part probably happen sometimes because they're late but really they're out they're not out there with lanterns um even prehistoric people when the sun went down you went down right mm -hmm. and so that is that we now have artificial lights we have things that make our lives easy mm -hmm. and so with that easiness comes more of a task on your mental and emotional well-being because you're constantly on the go mm. semantic brain non-semantic brain took me a while but i i figured it out there so semantic brain non-semantic brain we spend too much time i think in our industrial revolution now post era uh where we're at now in the semantic side of our brain versus the non-semantic I think that uh, I think that the spending time in the metaphysical or the uh, the mindfulness practice of emptying your brain is definitely a psychology device, you know, that we can use that definitely helps us emotionally and also uh, just mentally with our own mental health. 
yet there's a there needs to be yeah. a balance there. Um, speaking speaking of mental emotional health, it is daylight savings time this weekend, which really no. sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Well, thank you, Jake, for that, and I appreciate um, a lot of what we're talking about uh, tonight and just the practicality of rest has a lot to do with what's called our circadian rhythm. And the circadian rhythm is basically your physical, mental, emotional uh, behaviors through a 24-hour period of time. And, And we can have an imbalanced circadian rhythm and get our circadian rhythm out of whack, basically, if I can say that um that word uh and make it intelligent so how how we get out of whack in our circadian rhythm is you know light the sun comes up and the sun goes down that's pretty much a day of light and then a night of darkness it's very difficult and i know that i know that people work at night people work a swing shift um, as well. And, and that is, and, and there's nobody that I know that works the swing shift that says that's an easy shift. That's a hard shift. Um, because it's not the, I guess the sun comes up and the sun goes down and it's not that agrarian lifestyle anymore of field work like Jake was talking about, or if you're working the night shift, it becomes uh, very difficult to go back and forth between those. And, you might get used to it, but your body is having metabolic changes in and physiological changes in that activity of going back and forth between night shift and day shift. So our circadian rhythms, just by the nature of our work and by the nature of our activity and our behavior, definitely can take on a different form of just different than sun comes up and sun goes down. But there are some things that we can do no matter what our schedules are, even if you are banker's hours, nine to five or eight to four um, type of hours, there is a great possibility that if you are even an eight to four shift of work, that your nighttime routines and your therefore your circadian rhythm is completely off and you're living a very unhealthy lifestyle of work and rest. Even if you're not working a swing shift or even if you're not working at night, you can have a really poor rhythm of the 24-hour day. So sleep is really important. I'm just going to spend a few seconds on sleep because Sleep is important, but sleep and rest are different. Yet sleep is important for rest and activity both. So let's talk about that first. Because most everybody in the United States, it is statistically known that the people, in, especially in the United States or in the Western world, do not get proper sleep. They do not have good sleep hygiene. And they know that just from brain activity tests and such, and also the amount of sleep apnea that is recorded in the United States, that we know that just because of many times, um, it could be a brain activity, but it also could be a weight issue, that since we struggle with our weight in the United States so much in obesity, that sleep apnea definitely can be a consequence, not necessarily, but it can be 
um, exasperated with weight. And so um, those things are very, our health and also our, our daily activity can also be connected to how much good sleep we get. So when you fall asleep or when you enter into your sleep, sleep hygiene is the environment that you are creating to get good sleep. And so one of the problems that we have is our television programming. We're watching movies. We're downloading things off the internet. We're looking at our phones and all that light sensory activity actually is proven to affect our, our sleep. So good sleep hygiene, you can look up these things like Dr. Andrew Huberman, you can look at his podcast. You can look at some biohackers that are out there that, that talk about sleep hygiene as well. But uh, when you go to sleep and when you're getting to the moment of going to sleep, like the hour before or the two hours before, the recommendation is to put your phone down, to turn off the TVs, to turn off the lights, to dim the lights. All of that is definitely proven to help your sleep cycles. And a couple of other things in sleep hygiene could be to do some meditation practices, some mindful practices before bed. It's not good to exercise late at night right before bed. So your your hormones and, and just your cortisol release and stuff when you go to a gym that's open 24 hours and you're lifting weights at 11 o'clock at night and then you try to go to sleep by midnight, that is not necessarily going to produce a good night's uh, sleep eating too much fat at night. So when we're just pounding that ice cream or shoving that burger and fries and washing it down with a shake, um, not eating too much at night as well, like a big meal right before bed or the midnight snack, the peanut butter and jelly sandwich with the bowl of cereal and just the, the chronic snacking that some of us have at night is not going to produce good sleep. So sleep hygiene is, it has to do with what we eat, what we're doing with light, what we're doing with rest and meditation, and right before bed, what kind of like stimulus right before bed do we have? Do we get in a fight with our spouse, our partner right before bed? That, those types of things are not going to produce a good sleep. Some of the biohackers that I've read over the years, um, saunaing at night is good for our sleep. So when we have heat that is on the outside of our body, the core temperature cools in our body. We're trying to cool our body because of hot steam or hot sauna is on the outside. So sauna that in the in the Finnish countries and in, in those parts of the world, saunaing at night is a practice because it helps us to go to sleep. Cold showers at night are not a good idea. Hot showers at night are a good idea. Cold showers in the morning, hot showers at night so that our core temperature actually goes down. So when we go to bed, we go through sleep cycles. And there's basically three stages, stage one, two, three. In a, in a sleep cycle, number one, you're just trying to get to sleep, into a deeper sleep, usually a light form of sleep. And then in stage two, that's when we enter into more of our deeper sleep. Stage three is our REM sleep. That's where we enter into. So the last half of our sleep is for deeper sleep or REM sleep, excuse me. 
sorry. So we have light sleep, we have deep, deep sleep, we have REM sleep, and then we have awake. So sometimes we wake up. It's very difficult to wake up in the second half of sleep versus the first half of sleep. So our light, our deep, and our REM sleep, that's called our sleep architecture. So those sleep cycles that we go through is our sleep architecture. And it's really important that we have a very good profile of sleep architecture in order to promote rest. In our sleep architecture, if we're getting good deep sleep, if we have a balance from light sleep and REM sleep, if we're getting enough sleep cycle in each of these categories that our architecture is good and well put together, then for males, we're going to have an increase of testosterone during the night. In all human beings, we're going to have an increase of growth hormone. We're going to be able to prop, uh, uh, produce proper cortisol levels, also our hormones that suppress appetite and such things. So when we don't sleep, there are certain hormones that suppress appetite in our bodies. And big words for big people, we don't need to name them, but there's there's hormones that that decrease our appetite. That's why when we don't get sleep, we just sit there and snack all day, or we just wake up in the morning, I'm so hungry. Or, or when we're way late at night, just up at night through the night, we're just like eating the whole house. So the, the hormones that suppress our appetite are actually produced at night along with males, testosterone and females, but predominantly males, testosterone levels go up and also growth hormone increases at night. So what I'm saying is that just physiological activity in our bodies that rest and sleep or sleep that comes from rest definite excuse me rest that comes from sleep is definitely definitely priority so if you're struggling with sleep if you're struggling with insomnia if you are if you know that you have sleep apnea sleep apnea over a long period of time you will eventually your organs will begin to break down you will have the higher risk of heart disease and all kinds of diseases just because of holding your breath or sleep apnea at night go get a device go get a, a cpap machine get a sleep study done because it's very important but if we don't get rem sleep that rapid eye movement sleep that is where our frontal cortex and our free prefrontal cortex that's where those cortexes are activated in our REM sleep and causes cognitive flexibility. So if you are finding that you're not thinking or you're not remembering or you're just unable to process information or you're like, gosh, I can't remember anything or I'm forgetting so many things, it's probably because of REM sleep where our cognitive flexibility is actually static and we're not able to access different memory capacities in our brain. Our creativity goes down. So blocks of creativity um, is from the lack of REM sleep. So that's a little idea of sleep and how important it is. Uh, sleep is important for rest and rest is important for sleep. I just wanna make a note here that our world that we live in, we don't get enough rest. And I know I'm going to talk about physical rest from exercise activity here to start. Usually we're not 
and and statistically we're not physically active enough we're actually sedentary people statistically there's some states that are more physically healthier than others uh canada is more physically healthier than the united states if you go to some canadian cities the whole city is active very active uh, but it doesn't matter how bad the weather is or good the weather is some of the best weathered uh, best weathered states have the worst health records and the least amount of activity so it has nothing to do with weather it has really nothing to do with how sunny or rainy it is but I just want to make a special note that if we're not getting a consistent rest throughout our day into the night for sleep, we are setting ourselves up for metabolic disease. And metabolic disease starts with a lack of rest and not being able to uh, find rest from mostly a stress. And so when I think about metabolic disease, there's categories of disease that I'm going to read for you here that if you suffer from three of these categories of disease, then that means that you are a cat in the category of having metabolic disease. So number one is a large waistline. If you are heavy, if you are, let's just name it and claim it. If you're fat, obese, heavy, if you have a large waistline, Let's say you have an apple-shaped body because of fat. That is setting yourself up for, like, that's the fat around the stomach. That's the omentum fat. Males get a large belly, so their omentum fat is large in the front. That's, the bigger, that's a bigger risk factor for um, heart disease. If your blood pressure is high, so that means like above, like the 130 over 90 category, right? So if you're finding that your blood pressure is like stage two or stage over stage one, where you're finding that you're reading your blood pressure on a regular basis, but it's regularly high and your salt intake is up and your water retention is up and all of that, if you have high blood pressure, that is going to eventually have a toll on your body um, blood sugar levels if you have high blood sugar levels you're, you're becoming insulin resistant in your body if you're just eating basically junk food and sugar and just feeding yourself fuel through simple sugars and 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 sugar carbs and and things like that then definitely you're raising your risk of not only blood clots you're raising your risk of diabetes type 2 you're raising your you're raising your risk of all of these diseases that can be caused by by high blood uh, blood sugar levels high blood triglycerides that's your blood fat so that's a fat found basically flowing around in your blood so the old funny saying i cut my leg and gravy poured out right so the blood fat is your triglycerides and if you have a high triglyceride level, and I think, I think mine was recently like um, in the in the low 90s, and so if that's really good triglycerides, it's not high triglycerides at all. But if you're finding that your triglycerides are 200, 300, it's time to make some make some changes. 
um, that, that triglycerides can raise your LDL levels. So that's your cholesterol levels. But metabolic disease, if you have a low HDL, which is your good cholesterol, that good cholesterol, uh, that blood cholesterol level, the good cholesterol too low, that's a sign of metabolic disease. If you have three of those categories going on in your life, you are in that framework of metabolic disease. And number one, I wanna encourage us to find rest from stress. We need to find rest from stress. And how do we do that? Through mindfulness, uh, through mindfulness activity, like Jake was talking about, having a proper framework, like Sheree was talking about, a proper attitude towards Sabbath and proper attitude towards producing, which causes stress, and also uh, sleep, looking at our sleep. How are we going to get proper sleep? Well, let's say you are an exercise person and you go out for runs and you lift weights and you are very active in your life. If you are not getting rest from that activity and allowing your body to heal, you're just in basic chronic breakdown mode that is not healthy for you as well. We need to find ways where we can, where we can uh, uh, find rest. And so when you exercise, your body actually is going through physiological changes. You're going through physiological um, metamorphosis in your body. And the first thing that happens whether it be stress or whether it be a physical activity, that's called an allostatic load. So there's an allostatic uh, challenge in your life where pressure is put on your life. That could be a run. That could be a that could be lifting weights or that could be stress from work. So you go through an allostatic load and through that over a long period of time, let's say 12 weeks, right? So you're in a training cycle and that allostatic load for 12 weeks, your genotype, which is how, you know, it's your DNA and there's nothing you can do for your DNA right now. So your DNA is your DNA, but your phenotype is how you look at because of your DNA. And so if you are in a training mode, it's the expression, the phenotype is the expression of the genotype. So when you go through an allostatic load, 12-week training cycle and training exercise, that 12-week cycle, you can change your phenotype. You can lose weight. You can physically look different. You can build muscle mass. You can, your genotype determines that. So if you go through a 12-week training cycle and you're like, I wish I had, you know, this body feature, or I wish I could be this way, or if I wish I could look this way, that's, that's based on your genes. And sometimes people have these wonderful genes that produce six-pack abs and biceps and for males and, and, you know, this certain look for females or whatever. And you say, I wish I'd stop looking at the magazines and stop looking at TV and be comfortable in your own skin. I want to encourage you in that. There's only so much you can do for your phenotype because of your genotype. So look at your parents if you know who your parents are and say, well, is that preview of coming attractions? It doesn't have to be. You can go through exercise routines to be able to change your phenotype, to lose weight, to be healthier, to actually 
keep from metabolic disease. So in rest from exercise, when you go through that 12 week cycle or you're lifting weights or whatever you're doing, you have to rehydrate, refuel, repair, and rest. That's the four R's. Rehydrate, refuel, and repair and rest. So with lifting weights, it's always good to push and pull when it comes to lifting weights. So when you push and pull in one day on one area of your body, let's say you're doing your biceps and chest, right? And then you do your triceps and back. You move from one to give your body or your muscles rest. When you run one day, maybe you'll swim the next, maybe you'll bike the next, or you take a day off in between, let's say you're a cyclist, and you bike, and then you rest, and you bike, and you rest, depending on the load. You can do recovery cycling, you can do recovery swims, you can do recovery runs, where you run really slow in like a Z2 zone for your heart. And so there's ways that you can recover in exercise. Uh, that are really important, but also refueling. So if you, carbs are always seen as bad, good carbs are good. And so when you run, you deplete ADP, you deplete and build ADP the entire time you are running. And so it's really important to take in a post-exercise meal. And hopefully, if you're taking in sugar and that the, the, the fueling drinks and stuff that we have when we exercise, hopefully that meal, because of the Firmicutes bacteria that is inside of our gut, that hopefully we can take in green leafy vegetables like kale and things like that after we do long training exercise routines, that we're taking in some fiber in order to kind of neutralize the Firmicutes bacteria in our guts because of all the sugar, the drinks, or the Gatorades that we drank during our long run. But most people don't exercise in order to get rest from exercise. Most people need to move in, and move more, and we're resting maybe too much, and we're sitting around living a sedentary life, lifestyle. So I hope that um, I hope that you are on a normal routine of exercise and a good healthy diet um, of good foods. Yet uh, most of us need rest from stress. Most of us need rest from our emotional and our mental stress that we're enduring in our lives. So let's take a few minutes and talk about that we need time out like put yourself like a child my children get timeouts i get a timeout every once in a while but my children mostly get a timeout and we need time out from our stress stress wreaks havoc on our physiological self the constant cortisol release the stress hormone that's released not from exercise because we do release cortisol during exercise. But I'm talk talking about just like freaking out over what's going to happen next. That idea of stress in our life is literally um, exponentially increasing our healthcare expenditure. It's 50% greater um, than like 20 years ago. 
So I know that there's a lot of inflation in that and healthcare costs and such, but it's also metabolic disease is through the roof because of, because of stress, because stress wreaks havoc on our, our body. So I'm going to say in order to reduce stress, we need to eat healthier and also to exercise on a regular basis. And so an exercise recommendation would be three days a week, one hour each day, or doing 30 minutes each day. But here's what I'm going to say about exercise. Do something. We need to do something for exercise in order to counterbalance stress. So not only do we need timeout that reduces stress, but timeouts help us to actually move. And so when we get up out of our chair from like the mental, now we're working from home. So now we're just at home in front of our screens. Timeouts from that mental stress will get us out of the chair and actually, actually move. So long periods of time behind screens and in chairs and just sitting there actually uh, produces a cluster basically of conditions in our body. Again, metabolic disease, but can a cluster of conditions when we sit uh, too long for long periods of, of time. So one of those is inflammation. And for sitting for long periods of time and doing nothing is not rest. That's sedentary. And so being sedentary is not rest. Rest is from the activity. You're taking a break from the activity. So you might need to get on a treadmill or you might need to move to another location um, in your home just to move. But that out of control sedentary lifestyle that we have produces a large amount of inflammation mostly because of our diets where we just are sitting there snacking we're sitting there just elevating our glucose levels in our blood just by what we're eating because we're bored or we're just not we're just not um active enough to burn the calories that we are actually ingesting. But getting up and moving or reducing stress or uh, actually taking a break and resting from mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, creative, all the seven rests that I gave, it actually boosts your immunity system. That one of the reasons why we're such a sick society is because not just in, you know, we're a sick society, but, but it's like ill society, like uh, our immunity systems are in the tank. So again, sedentary lifestyle is not rest. Rest means that we are taking a break or a timeout from the activity that is giving us stress. But honestly, if we would take a time out and rest from certain activities, um, I would say that we actually could just be more alive in our spirits, that we actually would be more full of joy and we would have a level of happiness in our, in our life. So to conclude, there is a science of resting well, and I think it's important just to conclude on, on how do we rest well and I would say the word fun. How do you rest well? 
I think that we as a society need to learn to have fun again. I don't know if many of us, and maybe through COVID, we lost our ability to have fun. But going out and raging because you're angry that you weren't able to rage or like party or or let's say you feel taken from so you're just going to escape, right? Those are not a definition of fun. Fun is basically um, things that we do that give enjoyment outside of our work on a regular basis on a regular basis. That's what living a fun lifestyle is all about. So taking a long two week vacation and escaping from life, that could be fun for two weeks, but that's not a fun lifestyle. And a fun lifestyle incorporates a work arrangement. And so when we arrange our work in a way that we have a work architecture, just like a sleep architecture, that we have a work architecture that I'm going to do this for a while, but I'm going to take a break and have some fun. I'm going to do this for a while. I'm going to take a break and exercise for a while. And I'm going to do something that I like and I, I enjoy it. If we would spend some time in our daily circadian architecture, I think that, uh, I think that we would actually probably overcome maybe some of the chronic problems, not only metabolic disease, but mental problems that we uh, have in our society. So scheduling and making it a routine. That's what I would encourage us in our physical life, that our rest would be routine. Our rest would be planned. Our rest would identify our needs. Our rest would identify what we find enjoyment and fun from. And I think that uh, we are in a chronic uh, crisis when it comes to our stress levels. And this is the main a catalyst for metabolic disease and all kinds of cluster of diseases and sicknesses that we have in our society and possibly some of the catalysts for our depressive or chronic depression that we have in our society. And I think that just by making routines of rest, we potentially could turn the corner for our lives to have enjoyment and possibly to find fun again. Good job. Thank you. Any thoughts on that? I think you did great. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks both of you for uh, your thoughts and um, all the information that we gave. I just want to send out, we're not experts in this and we're not professionals in this. We're just three people just having some fun, having a conversation. So if you want to engage with us on your social media channels, you can in the comments. You can leave comments and we want you to. Uh, did we have any comments tonight? Uh, some in the back office, but we took, we took care of them. Okay, we took care of those back office questions. All right. Well, with that, um, I hope that we can find rest sometime this week. And that concludes our 10-week series on the body, Constructing the New You. Next week, we start the life of a new Christ. The life of a new Christ. And I hope that, uh, I hope that you join us with that uh, series starting next week. So with that, good night, everybody. Thanks for joining us.